0: I'm, the, I'm, the one. I'm Patrick Medley, your host of Valuetainment. Today I'm sitting down with Del Bigtree, who is the executive producer of the band documentary called Vaxed. It was taken down off of Netflix and Apple. And he's got some controversial things to say about vaccines. Del Bigtree, Del, thanks for being a guest on Valuetainment. Thanks for having me, Patrick. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So Del, I have a question for you. So right off the bat, the one thing that I was doing last night, I'm sitting and I'm watching your documentary. I went on Apple TV, couldn't find it. I what? went on Amazon couldn't find it. Uh, I went everywhere to try to buy, it. couldn't find it. My associates brought the DVDs for me to watch. And I'm, you know, nowadays people don't even have DVD players, but Google had it on YouTube to buy Vaxxed and watch it or rent it. So here's what I'm curious about. With all the censorship topics going on, if you're censored off of film festivals, if you're censored off of Apple TV or maybe Amazon and Netflix, Why is YouTube allowing you to sell
1: Vaxxed on YouTube? I'm curious. You know, that's a really good question. I had no idea that YouTube was actually doing that. Um, I usually just send people to the distribution company, vaxxthemovie.com. There's been times when YouTube has taken it down, so I guess right now it's back up and running. I mean, the film came out in the early 2016. I haven't paid a lot of attention to it, but we have certainly been censored. We had a deal with Amazon that it was going to be free to all Amazon Prime members uh, till the end of time. But then, as you are probably aware, Adam Schiff wrote letters both to he sent a letter to Instagram and Facebook and YouTube saying you need to take down any content that questions the safety of vaccines. He wrote a specific letter to Jeff Bezos at Amazon saying remove all documentaries and books uh, questioning the safety of vaccines. And we were pulled down the next day. So it's very hard uh, to get the film, I'm actually um, actually quite happy to hear that YouTube has a way for people to watch it right now. Yeah, uh, and, so I was unaware of that.
0: And by the way, this is what's funny. When we were doing all the interviews just a few months ago on the topic of vaccine, because we did one inter- interview and all of a sudden we did a few more after that, I couldn't find Vaxxed on YouTube. So I can't right. say that I could find it two months ago, but I was able to find it yesterday and watch it on my YouTube. And, you know, I bought it. I said, wait a minute, they have it up here. I, you know, sometimes people download upload the video where other people can watch it but this was actually a purchase on youtube so that was pretty impressive i don't know mm-hmm. if they were pressured
1: from the other side to open it up i don't know what it was it's definitely not something big yeah it, it could also be someone just rogue i don't know i'd have to see it i mean we do have people that just put it up themselves maybe they're trying to make a little bit of money off of it uh i know that you know the the movie's been pirated all around the world you know and that's something that I've never cared about that. It was all about getting the message out that the distribution company, you yeah. know, obviously wanted to make their money and that's their problem to fight for that. I'm always happy to find out that someone is getting it out there some way, somehow, because it's incredibly important for people to see that film.
0: So, so uh, uh, yeah, and by the way, I'm just looking at it right now, when on YouTube. Again, you can purchase it right now on YouTube. By the way, everybody that's watching this, when you do watches, whether it's today, a month from now, six years from now, 10 years from now, Comment below or tweet us at any point if you're trying to buy it on YouTube and it's not there. I'd love to know. But right now, I go on YouTube. Can you pull it up on YouTube to see if you can buy it yourself right now? I just want to make sure for full disclosure. Today is what? Today is June 24, 2020. So everybody knows the date of this being recorded. It's up today, but I cannot get it on Apple TV. I who's channel? Who's, per,
1: who's, per, who's putting it up? Does it say who the channel is or where it's being promoted it's actually by?
0: YouTube movies. Docu- it's, it's YouTube movies. So it's I'll be I'll be surprised if that's there tomorrow. It says YouTube <laughs> movies. We'll put it up so you can see it. I'll I'll, I'll produce, okay. it, produce it as well. so right now, confirming. Josh, what are you AT&T or Verizon yourself? Verizon. Verizon and what Verizon. are you? Verizon, and I'm ATT. We can see it on ours. We will see if YouTube takes it down. YouTube, if you have it up, I applaud you. This is good because you're allowing people Agreed. to see both us, I think it's a very good thing. So so let's let's get right into it. So Okay. Uh, uh, for yourself, you, so just so the audience knows, you did a five episodes, I believe, with Dr. Phil. You worked on that side, and then you did 30 episodes, give or take, with The Dr. Show. And then somehow, some way, where did this passion to want to go out there and uh, research and bring
1: out this topic of vaccination uh, happen for you? Uh, not that it matters, but let me just go ahead and say I worked. I was a producer on The Dr. Phil Show for about uh, two years, um, not on staff, but freelance, but three years on staff. I probably was involved in producing more like 150 Dr. Phil episodes. Got I was on The Doctors for six years permanently on staff. I won an Emmy Award. Uh, there I produced about 40 episodes a year, so somewhere in the 250 to 300 episode range. Uh, the reason people will say five is because I don't know if you've ever had your own IMDb page, but you have to go and load up every single show yourself and figure out you know, when it aired. And I just... You kind of tend to just put up your favorite ones and say, well, this represents uh, uh, some of the best. There's my a big work. But difference. So, Bob, there's a big yeah.
0: disparity between the numbers online about you and what you just said right now. So I applaud you for your background. I appreciate you saying that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. so how
0: did vaccination come about? What, what inspired you to well, want to pursue this?
1: Well, because, you know, uh, obviously uh, working on Dr. Phil, I, I was making psychology in the television. Dr. Phil created the doctor's television show. I was actually the field producer that was teamed up with the new executive producer to help develop that show. I ran around. I was the first one out shooting surgeries for television, figuring out how to edit that in ways that would, you know, get through any regulations and issues. So I've been in there uh, from the beginning um, and celebrating, I mean, Doctors was an amazing show, still is uh, on CBS, but it was an amazing experience because I was celebrating the best that science has to offer, the best doctors in the world you know, the best technologies. Um, and so because of that, you know, it, we, it, was, it was a great experience. I was reading medical journals, breaking news stories in medicine. Uh, but what happened was uh, when you think of the doctors, a lot of people don't know that in order to do a show like that, that's essentially on your television every day, there's seven producers on the show that will shoot about seven episodes every single week. My job was to produce one of those episodes you know, and then we would do about 40 weeks of shooting or whatever. So that's how it works. I was also, if you asked, you know, uh, uh, the lawyer for the show, she would always joke with me, "Dell, you cost our company more money than anyone else. And that's because I did shows that would challenge big industry. I was always really skeptical where an industry is making billions of dollars saying they're making us safer or healthier. Um, I like to investigate stories like that. And so, for instance, I did a a show on Monsanto when the World Health Organization ruled that glyphosate, the, the chemical in Roundup, which we spray on 90% of our crops and almost all of our gardens in America, the World Health Organization said that it was probably carcinogenic to human beings. That was That's the second highest cancer ruling there is. So I wanted to do a show on that. I reached out to Monsanto and said, do you want to refute the statement being made that your product is essentially carcinogenic by the WHO? And they said, sure, we'll send our head of toxicology. And then I reached out to one of the top GMO activists in the world, a guy named Jeffrey Smith, that had written m- multiple books on the topic and brought them in to debate each other on the show. So I kind of pushed the envelope of what people were used to in daytime television. And so because of that, I have a lot of different contacts at the CDC and scientists and doctors that know I'm not afraid of, of certain topics. So there was a scientist and a doctor that I'd worked with on a story who said to me at one point, this is a year or so before Vax. Uh, he said, you know, uh, this is an important story, Dell, but I don't think you want me on your show. And I said, why? And he said, well, because I'm one of these doctors that actually believes that vaccines cause autism. And if you look me up online, you'll find out that there's a lot of sites that call me a quack. And I said, well, I'm not worried about that. I really am interested in this story that we're going to do that has nothing to do with that um and he said would you ever cover vaccines and autism i said our show has very strong commitment to the idea that vaccines are safe and effective and that they don't cause autism i said but you know me and and you'll know me even better after we work on this show if there's a giant change if something really big happens in the science around that let me know and i'll you know and i'd be interested in in hearing about that so a year later he called me and said remember when you said if something big was going to happen in the Vaccine autism, um, you know, uh, confrontation or story. I uh, let you know. I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, there's a whistleblower that's going to come forward at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in about two weeks, and he's going to say they're committing scientific fraud on the vaccine autism safety studies, and specifically the MMR study, the measles, mumps, rubella study that happened between 2000 and 2004." And so I, I talk about all of this in the film i went to my executive producer and said hey i've got to jump on what could be the biggest medical story in my lifetime uh and they said we are not going near that you're not going to challenge the cdc on the doctors we're not going to piss off our pharmaceutical sponsors and so i was like okay i walked out but i watched for that story and sure enough two weeks later the story did break and deep down i was thinking well this story will be on cnn new york times fox you name it this is a gigantic story once it is I'll go back to my executive producer saying, hey, we're a medical talk show. Can I investigate it now since this is one of the biggest stories that's out there? But to my surprise, nobody covered it. It was absolutely buried. In fact, even on CNN, they had iReport where people could report stories that they thought were interesting out in the world and CNN took it down. And that's when I realized there's a cover-up going on. There is absolutely a desire to shut this story down And that made me more curious, and that really started my investigation and journey into vaccines and autism. Of course, I ended up making a documentary about that whistleblower, uh, which you've talked about, that's Vaxxed. Um, And in order to make that film, I spent about a year flying back and forth to Austin where Dr. Andy Wakefield, probably the most controversial doctor in the world, he was already directing the film uh, and had all of the 10,000 documents that the whistleblower had provided all of the recorded confessions. And so I just helped them sort of really develop that into a movie that could uh, reach millions of people, which it has. Um, and so that's how I got into it. And since then, uh, after the film came out, I started traveling. As you, you, know, you pointed out, we got kicked out of Tribeca Film Festival, which was one of the worst five minutes of my life. And then you know, as I was staring at the television, watching the news report that we had just been kicked out of Tribeca, it sort of sunk in on me. You know, Del, I know it was a dream of yours to, you know, as a filmmaker to be accepted in Tribeca Film Festival, but it occurred to me, I had never heard of a film being kicked out of Tribeca Film Festival. And I realized in that moment, we just made history. And sure enough, it became one of the biggest media stories in the world and turned Vaxxed into an overnight sensation. Um, But traveling with the film, we started interviewing thousands and thousands of parents across the country as we drove around in this bus that had "vax" written on the side of it. People started writing the names of their children who had died after a vaccine or had been injured. But the parents were telling stories of every single vaccine on the schedule. I thought the problem was the MMR vaccine. And then others would come up and say, your movie is very compelling. Is it only the MMR vaccine that's dangerous? And I didn't have an answer to that. And so at the end of that year of traveling, end of 2016, I started my nonprofit, the Informed Consent Action Network. I brought in scientists, doctors, researchers, and a legal team to start investigating every single vaccine, especially the ones we give our children, and all of the studies that they said determined that vaccines were safe. And so that's what I've been doing for the last four years. I think I'm the only reporter in history that has ever been this focused on literally one word safety we hear safe and effective i haven't really touched effective yet we're just now beginning that investigation but i can tell you everything you want to know on whether vaccines are safe or not got it okay so a
0: question for you if we can backtrack because you you cover a lot sure. and that was great because now the audience knows uh, right. uh the optics of what we're talking about so uh one uh, have you ever met the whistleblower william thompson yourself has there been a face-to-face interview with him or was it always
1: something that's recording without him knowing about it during the making of vaxxed i never met him in fact he was furious that uh the film was being made and that his recordings had been made public this is very interesting and i'm glad you asked this question he was confessing to another scientist that had an autistic child telling that scientist how they had committed scientific fraud that scientist decided Uh, with some urging from uh, Andy Wakefield to begin recording those phone calls because they were saying, we will never have proof that these things are being said by a top scientist inside the CDC. So the film, what you're seeing is pieces of four different, about one hour long phone conversations. Those are what were outed to the public online. And then that's what the film was based around. Now, uh, Brian Hooker is the scientist he was talking to on the phone. Uh, he's uh, uh, an educator up in at uh, Simpson University in in Redding, California. Um, he ultimately believed that because he was beginning to do studies using the footage that had been destroyed by uh, that was that Dr. William Thompson provided those 10,000 documents. He started publishing new data and believed that William Thompson would be known that the CDC would recognize this, this, this information that no one in the world was supposed to see. And he really believed that William Thompson was in danger and that's why he outed them. And that's when Dr. William Thompson became a whistleblower. So he never spoke to me while making the film. I will say, I go to meetings all the time now at the CDC. In fact, today is one of those meetings, an ACIP meeting, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. They meet three times a year To introduce new vaccines or add vaccines to the schedule and discuss it. At the CDC, I did run into uh, Dr. William Thompson once, and we did sit down for a coffee uh, and and discuss a few things. But he still works there. He's still considered to be a whistleblower. um, And I have had uh, face-to-face contact with him, but not during the making of the film.
0: So let me get this straight. He still works at CDC, even though he was a number four guy out of five senior scientists to come out and have this One hour conversation with Brian Hooker.
1: That's correct. He still works there. Remember, he's a whistleblower. You can't fire him. I mean, that's one of the beauties of of the way our system works in this country. If he's fired for really outing important information, then he has a legal recourse to say that that was an illegal firing. Um, So they are unable to fire him because all he's done is provide proof and evidence and statements that he believes the study on MMR uh, certainly is, is, whether he would use the word fraudulent, has, has gotten rid that they threw away statistically important information that showed a strong correlation between the MMR vaccine and autism. And spece- specifically, if anyone hasn't seen the film, specifically in African-American children was where the focus of that study was.
0: I'm still flabbergasted that he still got a job and they haven't fired a guy. And I'm still flabbergasted that he can be there knowing what he knows. Is he still a senior scientist or he got demoted? Is he still writing papers? And is he now pro-vax, anti-vax? Is he at a point right now where he's saying we shouldn't give the MMR until three years old? What, what has he changed? And is he writing about it on C- C- CDC website for us to read about
1: so, a lot of this, you know, I've had private conversations. What I can say is I think what he has said uh, in to those that have, like, reviewed where he's at. First of all, he still works there. He is one of the world's top epidemiologists. He is still one of the top epidemiologists at the CDC. They have removed him from the Vaccine Safety Department and put him in other uh, investigation departments. That was the change that was made. Um, he has in, in, in recordings, and, and I knew this before I even saw him for a coffee, um, and, and he says, and has always said, that I believe in vaccines. I think that they are important, but I will also say that there should be more safety studies done, especially uh, after what he saw in the MMR uh, vaccine study they did in his mind, Uh, What I believe he would say is the MMR study is a disaster. Uh, It did not, it showed really dangerous outcomes for children, but it was still a relatively small study of just a few thousand children. His belief is that it showed a signal and that the CDC should have gone on to do deeper, larger studies following up on the question that that vaccine showed, which was there may be a real problem with the MMR vaccine and autism, but instead that study threw out half the children's study committed what I believe is just quintessential uh, uh, study fraud, scientific study fraud. They manipulated the study and used it as the final study to determine that vaccines don't cause autism. That was the last study the US government ever paid for all the way back in 2004. Autism is still skyrocketing. We still hear the slogan, vaccines don't cause autism. And not a red cent is going into that investigation, even though the growing body of parents, more than 50% now of parents of autism believe it was the vaccine that caused it. I put it really simply like this. If this was some sort of criminal investigation, it's like we took the one culprit out of the lineup that everyone pointed to in, you know, in, in, in the lineup. They said, that's the guy, it's the vaccines, that's who did it. That's the only thing that's been pulled out of the lineup and never been replaced with another credible uh, eyewitness or testimony or scientific evidential proof that this is what's causing autism. That's very problematic. When they say there's no evidence vaccines cause autism, uh, usually in every other criminal case, the best evidence you can have is an eyewitness and there's millions of those now around the world did he sue did he sue you for using the for one hour phone call uh he did
0: not can he legally
1: no because uh remember i didn't record those calls but brian hooker did brian hooker was smart enough to look up i mean he was just a scientist uh working in red in california but he looked up and there's a law called. i mean you usually ask yourself and we do this as journalists too is it a one-party state or a two-party state what that means is in california where he where brian hooker lived it's a two-party state meaning if you're going to record a phone call or even a conversation in public if you're going to record it both entities have to know that it's being recorded just like you asked me or your producer did Are you recognized you're about to be recorded? Are you okay with this? Um, Well, Oregon is a one-party state. And so Brian Hooker would drive four hours to Oregon, check into a Motel 8 before he made the phone calls to to Dr. William Thompson so that legally he was allowed to record in Oregon as a one-party state, meaning only he knew the recording was taking place. So there was no legal records for Dr. William Thompson.
0: Good for him.
1: Wow. Good
0: for him for that. So when you and him sat down together and William Thompson, the whistleblower, and you guys had coffee together, uh, uh, was it a pretty civil conversation or was he pretty pissed off at
1: you? Um, I would say it was a little bit of both. I won't get into the details, but I wanted to make it clear. I happened to see him across the room. I waved to him and, you know, I can talk about this because people at the CDC all saw saw us sitting down during a break Um, I wanted to let him know that it was not my idea to out him, that that is not how I work as a journalist. I had already, he had already been outed by the time I got involved with the project. Uh, But I just wanted to let him know that I understood why he was upset. And that, you know, in the future, if he knows anyone else that wants to be a whistleblower, that I am a steel trap and will not out anybody, would just love any information. And I will find second and third sources to be able to corroborate that information so I can report on it. Uh, that's really what our conversation was about. Um, he made clear the things I've said, uh, just so you know, I believe in vaccines, but um, that this study really was a disaster. And he was upset that more that you know, it wasn't used to have more studies take place. Yeah,
0: I can only imagine that uh, conversation. I can't see it being civil the entire time. I can see it being a little bit uh intense but uh, i i i like the visual you just gave us okay so look you do a documentary sometimes you know i make a video and i'll give my opinion on u.s iran conflict history of u.s iran conflict it gets few million views and then people email me from iran from all over the world you didn't cover this you didn't cover that you didn't cover this read this article read this book read that you get all this information from both sides right you're wrong iran is a terrible nation you're right the history of iran is not being told the right way all this stuff okay so you make the documentary The position has been given. The data shows us in 1975, one in every 5,000 kid has autism. 1982, one in 2,500. 1994, one in 500. 2000, one in 166. 2004, one in 150. 2009, one in 110. 2011, one in 68. 2013, one in 45. Projected 2032, one out of every two kid is gonna have autism. That's catastrophic, right? So you make this argument, and the argument being made is a big part of it is the fact that if we're going to give the MMR uh, vaccine, let's wait after three years old, because the numbers dramatically drop, 164%, if you do between 12 to 15 months. Okay, fine. Let's set that aside. You give the message. You put the documentary out there. Tribeca turns it down. Robert De Niro, who is somebody politically would have typically disagreed with someone like you, but because at the time... His 16-year-old son has autism. He's around 21, 22 today. He's emotionally connected to it, and he's trying to hold himself back. He says, I believe everybody should watch this, right? Okay. Yeah. Everybody starts looking at this. Emails you've gotten from both sides, people that have connected with you from both sides. What's been the best argument you've gotten from those who say, "Dell, you're, you're, you're a fool. You're absolutely wrong. You're not even looking at it from this standpoint. Why are you still doing this, arguing about vaccine? This is a hoax this is a propaganda, you're hurting so many kids' lives, you're doing this, where you got spooked, where you're like, you know what, that's a pretty good argument, I didn't even look into that. And what did you get from the anti-vaccine community of all these other folks of stories that you had not heard before We said, you know what, we didn't even add that to the documentary, I wish I would have. So which ones from this camp made you think, and which ones from this camp made you think?
1: Well, I'll be honest, you know, I knew that I was going to destroy my television career getting involved with this, this documentary to begin with. And so from the moment I saw, when I saw the hour and 45 minutes that had already been laid out and needed, I did a lot of work re-editing it. We spent a year sort of fixing up the film that I saw, but I work on the doctor's television show. So I started asking every doctor I knew, including hosts on the doctors. And I said, if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong. I want off this road. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the truth. Please show me, explain to me what I'm missing here. How is this data wrong? How is it? Show me a study that can disprove what we're seeing here. And I'll be honest, no one has ever actually done that. I get sent piles and piles of studies all the time saying, this study proves that uh, the MMR uh, doesn't cause autism, or this study proves that all vaccines don't cause autism. Let me just specifically say probably the biggest study there is was last year. They call it the Denmark study, and lots of scientists pointed to it as this is the nail in the coffin of the idea that vaccines don't cause autism. Um, it took place in, um, um, was it Swedish or was it Denmark? I want to say it was Denmark. It might be Sweden, so it's a little bit fuzzy. I'm pretty sure it was Denmark. Anyway, the point being, they looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of children. And what they said was it was a comparative study. They called it a vaxxed versus an unvaccinated study, which is what we've been demanding from the beginning of time. If vaccines do make you healthier, then simply do a comparative study of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. But when you look at this gigantic study, what you find out is it's not vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It was children who got all of their vaccines plus the MMR vaccine compared to those that got all of their vaccines, but no MMR vaccine. So it was un MMR vaccinated. And that was it. Every other child had all of their vaccines. And so what they said in looking at those two groups was that the rate of autism was so similar between the two. This proves that vaccines don't cause autism. And, and that was the headline. Well, really the study, can only say that the MMR doesn't cause autism, right? Because that was the only exclusionary piece was kids that got everything plus MMR and kids that got everything but no MMR. But here is the problem. As I traveled the United States of America talking to parents of autistic children, I was shocked to discover that more parents said, we never got to the MMR vaccine. We lost our child right after the DTaP vaccine that are after DTaP vaccine, which you get much earlier, you know, you get it several times before you're six months old, and really uh, MMR is into 12 to 18 months. And so I would say the body of parents said to me, uh, I would say more people claim DTaP caused autism than MMR. And this is the problem with the biggest study now ever done. It does seem shocking that when you took MMR out, it didn't really make a difference. But here's the problem, if DTaP causes autism, then every single child in your control group was those that got every vaccine, including DTaP. They just didn't get the MMR vaccine. Then you have kids getting autism from a vaccine in your control group, which is supposed to be clean. And yet this is touted as a brilliant study. Essentially, let me put it like this. I could do a study that proves that Jack Daniels does not cause inebriation what I would do is give one group of people 10 shots of vodka, and then I would give a different group of people 10 shots of vodka plus a shot of Jack Daniels, and when I compare them, they both wrecked about the same amount of cars, they both had about the same difficulty walking a straight line, and since this group didn't have Jack Daniels and this one did, I can say, see, Jack Daniels does not cause inebriation. That's how almost some version of that is how Most of the science done by the pharmaceutical industry is done. It's a false comparison body. That's why we keep saying you have got to do a study that takes children who receive zero vaccines and compare it to those that got their vaccines and then ask simple questions like, who has more autism? We had a meeting, Bobby Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr. and I, had a meeting set up by Donald Trump right after Donald Trump was elected. If you remember, he was making some pretty strong statements about vaccines. He talked to Bobby Kennedy about it. We got a meeting at the National Institute of Health uh, sitting across from Francis Collins, head of the NIH. Tony Fauci was sitting right across from me. We all now know who he is. I've been telling this story forever. Like, I don't know who that is. Well, we know who Tony Fauci is now, along with 10 other of the luminaries of our vaccine and immunology departments in America and we posed several problems with the program. Number one, we said we can't find a double-blind placebo study of a single childhood vaccine we give our kids. This is the gold standard of establishing safety in a pharmaceutical product, and yet not a single childhood vaccine appears to have gone through that. Uh, Are we wrong? Is there a site we're not looking at? Can you provide some paperwork? Tony Fauci ended up saying, we don't do placebo studies because it would be unethical. Um, and so then unethical meaning they believe vaccines are so great that to have a group that's getting a saline injection as a real placebo study, that would be unethical to them. And so therefore they don't do it. So they essentially just told you there are no safe, there's no other safety study that actually counts. That's the only way to establish safety. So we said to them, why don't you do, if that's unethical. Why don't you do a retrospective study? That's called a prospective study, meaning you're going to keep kids from getting vaccinated, and that's why they think it's unethical. But the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, sits on a database of over 10 million people's medical records. They follow them for life, and we do all of our scientific research using that data. And so we said to Tony Fauci and Francis Collins, Why don't you simply, if vaccines make us healthier than not having vaccines, then why don't you do the most obvious study there is? Take the Vaccine Safety Data Link, this database of 10 million people, and simply separate, we know there's tens of thousands of unvaccinated individuals in there, and just do a comparative study. Ask the computer, who has more diabetes? Who has more multiple sclerosis? Who has more ADD, ADHD? Who has more lupus? Who has more autism? who has more other you know, learning disabilities, Tourette's, speech delays, all of these things that are on this incredible rise uh, in our children in America. And you know what they said to us? We will never do that study. Why is that? Still the same thing, the whole thing with unethical? No, they just said, Uh, We just don't believe there's a way to actually do that study. I mean, that was it. We don't believe there's a way to do it. Let me ask you a strange
0: question here. Here's a strange question for you. What uh, big pharma company is uh, open to it and is
1: somewhat anti-vaccine? What big pharma out there? Would be anti-vaccine? I've never met a pharmaceutical company so far that would be anti-vaccine or would be open to doing a study like that. I have reached out to honestly insurance companies. I've met with a few CEOs of large insurance companies because I thought certainly you would want to know this information. You would want to know if vaccines are actually causing autism which is costing the uh, American people now uh, billions of dollars, right? I mean it's billions of dollars to take care of this skyrocketing issue And who's gonna pay for that? Our insurance companies. Certainly you guys should want to take your own databases and do a vaccinated versus unvaccinated study. And you know what they said to me? We don't wanna be caught questioning vaccines because we get so many government subsidies, especially for our Medicare programs. Our Medicare is run by these large insurance conglomerates. That is so much money. There's no reason to ever, we don't care. We meant more money from there than we imagine we will ever lose from whatever problems there would be with vaccines.
0: From from the research you've done, what race does vaccines hurt the most? Do you see a substantial number in certain races and nationalities over others or no? Is it pretty across the board, same number?
1: I, I would say that there is it's it's alleged with some light scientific evidence that african americans and people of color may have more uh injuries but there to be honest there's so little science actually being done around the safety of vaccines that you can't say that for sure but the study at the center of vax really looked at african-american children and saw this this large rise in autism We also are seeing that the numbers are increasing um, exponentially right now for African-American children and and Latinos around autism. But I believe that's simply because they've been underserved medically and it was just easier to take their children and give them a, uh, they used to call it just retarded or handicapped. We're only now starting to see, even in, in, in underserved communities, starting to really get full diagnoses. And I think that that's why you're seeing the numbers skyrocket. But there are questions right if 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 vaccine injury is more prevalent and and we go with that theory some of the theories around why african americans is we know they have higher levels of testosterone naturally both men and women in the african-american community and so what we have found through other studies of aluminum in the brain and other things is that testosterone is neuro exciting or it 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 actually increases whatever is taking place in the brain whereas estrogen is neuroprotective and so we, we know that uh, women are less, or girls are less affected by autism, probably because this protective estrogen factor. So testosterone is something that they really should be looking at more of. And in general, there's immune system, uh, immune issues happen to be more prevalent in African-Americans. And this is something that is documented and known because vitamin D is the main fuel system for your immune system. And that is really from your absorption of the sun Obviously, because African Americans come from areas with so much sun, their bodies block more of the sun uh, and the pigment does that. Therefore, they're getting less vitamin D. So they are more prone to immune um, uh, issues, uh, autoimmune issues. And therefore, it might stand a reason since many of these vaccine injuries are autoimmune disease that may be contributing. Uh, Dale, uh, who out there who's
0: very, very powerful would like to see the answer to this question about vaccination. I'm talking about benefits financially. Benef- there has to be a benefit. Forget about like, you have to have a big heart and you have to care and don't you care about the kids? Forget about that. Or let's just go straight to pocket, right? Straight to profits. Who would benefit from knowing exactly the consequences of MMR or the DTAP? Who would benefit the most that would say, here's a few billion dollars, let's go do the research on this? Would anybody?
1: Well, like I said, I still believe, you know, people Health who insurance. own insurance companies, right? They're the ones that are going to pay. You have to understand, we are going to bankrupt the healthcare system with autism alone, all right? We are now at a place where it appears that we're at 3 to 4% of children uh, with autism. You take that out of the 75 million children that are here, you know, my son, his generation, there's going to be a million people with autism just in, you know, as he's growing up, they say that it costs uh, between 2 and $5 million to raise a child with autism, multiply that by a million children or 5 million or 10 million in the direction we're going. And those are low numbers. As you pointed out, if we continue this rise and we get to one and two children, um, you know, the truth is, is we're going to be outsizing our gross national product uh within just a a decade or two so this is a catastrophic financial issue literally every banker should be worried about it but definitely everyone in insurance and you are starting to see insurance companies try to pass laws to say we can't be held responsible or have to pay for autism uh there's no way to provide any type of health insurance to the rest of the community with the cost that autism is bringing to us so it's, it's a catastrophic problem but honestly every parent that ends up having an autistic child they're going to mostly be bankrupt you know, through their lives unless they have an incredible job just paying for it themselves.
0: Dell, is it fair to say that uh, 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 Robert De Niro hates President Trump?
1: I think that that is fair to say from okay. what I've seen right on, on television. Fair enough. Uh,
0: uh, who are other people of power, whether in CDC or Merck or other places like that, who have a child that's autistic? Do you know of any?
1: You know, that's something that if we don't know about it publicly, then, and there's a few people I know about that I, again, I don't out people in their situation. And then, and you have to understand the difficulty of that, right? Um, you know where I'm going with a, a person, this. I, I do know where you're going. And let me just say this, a person who has a child with autism right now, first of all, there's amazing um, um, uh, progress in healing these children, which was something we were told was impossible as early as, you know, 10, 20 years ago. There are people getting their children, you know, having them removed from the autism diagnosis and getting them back into school. And for people, everyone, that's their goal. And what they don't want as a famous person is imagine your child gets to be in college and they're 20 years old and they've cleared that and they're out of that situation. They don't want to be known as Robert De Niro's autistic kid or, you know, as you know, there's speculation, Donald Trump's autistic kid, because I yeah. know that that's probably the question you're asking. I don't, I don't know, you know, there's speculation because Donald Trump said there was a child running around in my offices that got a vaccination and then became autistic. People speculate around that, but it's hard to get people to step forward because um, exactly that. Nobody wants that moniker on their child as a public figure, you try to keep your children out of the news as it is. You certainly don't want negative news all over your children. That's not where I'm going. Here's where
0: I'm going with it. Let me explain to you where I'm going with this. So okay. somebody who has been robbed before and uh, gun, you know, point blank, you probably think about that in a different way. Somebody who yeah. served in the military before and went to war and saw a buddy die, you probably have an opinion about watching, you know, saving Private Ryan in a different way than a person that's sure. never served before. Person that's given birth before natural birth is probably going to be thinking about uh, epidural and pitocin maybe in a different way. Person that's gone into a fist fight before, knocked out cold, and went to the hospital, broke their jaw, they probably know what it's like to have 30 days of the whole thing you put in, you eat through a straw. So if a a even a Robert De Niro, who cannot stand politically with a side that maybe is a little bit more prone to saying why are we not doing some investigations on this vaccination on this issue he is on the same page as president trump right on the same issue i'm talking about if you go to cdc or the big guys at merck or the big guys at whatever these companies are that are making 30 billion year poor for a vaccine that gets approved the number give or take if somebody experienced that closely to them and you're looking at your child going through this pain and suffering because you chose to give him vaccine. There's a scene in your in your um, documentary. I couldn't watch it. They're very, very difficult for me. I, just, I had to look away. It's the, uh, uh, the mother who uh, has her twins, and she takes them to the doctor. And while she's at the doctor, the nurse comes, gives a shot to, your, to the daughter. Both kids are fine. They're healthy. Daughter gets a shot. Second shot, she starts crying. Mom says, don't worry about it. She's not going to get a shot. Takes them out comes back in, the son gets the three shot, and she says, where's the other one? And the nurse says, oh, I'm sorry, I gave both of them to your son. She says, no, what do you mean you're sorry? Why'd you give both of them? And then automatically, son becomes autistic, and while she's doing the interview, son is sitting next to her, and she, he's, what, 16, 17 years old, playing video games. You can tell he's autistic, while her daughter plays piano, three languages, French, a student, all this stuff. I'm sitting there, the mother is crying, saying, my son's never going to experience this again. Yeah. All it's going to take is somebody who is working at CDC, somebody who is working at a pharmaceutical place like that, somebody of power that experiences that personally saying, guys, I can't do this for all the money anymore. I can't do this anymore for, for me to control it. I'm experiencing this personally. Have you hired any investigators to go uh, do an audit on the most powerful people and see which one of them emotionally are willing to say, Dell? I don't want you to use my name, but here's where I'm at. I wanna be able to help you out a little bit more. Let's go a little bit deeper. Have you guys taken that route before?
1: Sure. And you know, that's also when you think about like, how do we fund the work that we do? How do we fund the studies that we're involved with? You know, how do I do a weekly talk show the way that I do it? It's because there are people just like you've described out there that want the truth out there and, and try, and, you know, but still work remain for CDC, anonymous.
0: Who work for CDC? Who work for CDC major pharmaceutical companies? Because there's so a big I, difference I, between I somebody who's you money and them.
1: Right. Um, the only people that I've known that work in industries like that usually leave. Once they realize that they are destroying people's lives the way they just watched it with their own child, they don't stay there. They move on and change their career. And their lives. We had a show with who we called a Merck Whistleblower, who while working as an executive at Merck was just starting to have kids. So he decided, you know, what? let me just go look at the files on safety since I've heard questions about it. And as soon as he went into the, the Merck's files, he said, I'm never putting this stuff into my kids. So he's come on to my show. Um, I don't know if that answers. I mean, you know, I think that we're waiting for someone so powerful that you can't shut them down when they come forward. But so far, J.D. McCarthy says, my child had autism, she heals them, they destroy her career. Robert De Niro comes out and says, you need to see Vaxxed. They essentially threaten to destroy his career um, and really you know, flatten him. You know anybody that steps forward any scientist that even decides to do a study looking into it the minute that study says hey there's more aluminum in the brains of autistic children than any other human we've seen aluminum may have an issue that scientist is immediately called anti-vax and now they're funding and the school is thinking about firing them so there's a bullying that takes place uh, on a level that you cannot imagine that sets out to destroy anybody that they think is big enough or powerful enough that could do damage, it is well known, we will ruin you and your credibility and spend millions of dollars doing it. So it's hard to get these people to even help with funding. I mean, everything, they say, I'm being tracked. They know if I come forward, they find out, I'll lose my career.
0: I think the biggest thing for me is, man, I just want research. That's all I want. I, I, all I'm Correct. looking forward to is just spend some money and do some research, CDC, and let's hold some of these guys accountable and openly come out and tell us where you're at and let's find a way to improve it. Because uh, based on some of the people I've spoken to, some of the vaccines are good, some of the vaccines are not, and some of the vaccines have consequences. So we need to kind of go do our research and whatever's good, let's make it better. Whatever's not, let's go back. But it almost seems like there is this worry of these major pharmaceutical companies and cdc and other organizations being held for a element of reparation i know it's the bad word to use reparation but what i mean by that is hey let's go back and see how much you cost all these families lives and you need to pay this family this much money it almost seems like they're worried about that kind of a lawsuit hitting them so instead let's just kind of move past and figure out a way to make it better but aside from that part all the vaccines that kids are supposed to take which one of them concerns you the most and which one of them are things that are okay for us to, uh, you know, if a parent's watching and saying, Dale, you've been doing this research for God knows how many years now. You're around it. You've sat down with all the best people out there uh, on both sides. What are some vaccines we shouldn't worry about? What are the ones like the MMR or the DTaP that we should worry about? What would you say to them?
1: Um, I would say that, first of all, I have not found a vaccine that has been through a proper safety study in the childhood schedule. Not Not one. one. Not one. Not one was ever tested against a placebo, and not one when it tested against another vaccine. That vaccine was never tested against a placebo. There is no placebo in sight anywhere in the vaccines we give our kids, which means they cannot say that they're safe, period. Full stop end of story i don't inject my children with things that don't go through safety studies and so i've never given one of the vaccines uh, on the schedule to my children does that mean i never will if they cleaned up the science and actually did safety studies and i thought the illness had uh, enough risk to it that the vaccine looked appealing to me then i would consider it i'm not anti-vaccine I'm anti-injecting, number one, products that don't go do through safety studies, and number two, products that have liability protection, meaning I cannot sue the manufacturer if it does injure me or does injure my children. And the reason that's problematic is I know since they've never been able to be sued since the 1986 act that took all liability away, there's been no marketed incentive to evolve the science of vaccines. They have absolutely zero risk, so you know, money people, Why would anybody spend money for no reason to evolve a product and make it safer than it already is if you can't sue them anyway? And so that perfect storm means there's not one, I would tell you, uh, is safe. I will say this. I think there are vaccines that are probably more dangerous. I think the one that scares us the most is the Gardasil HPV vaccine. Um, Those are some of the worst trials we've ever seen. And it happens to have one of the largest loads of aluminum and a form of aluminum we've never been allowed to scientifically look at they are keeping it um hidden from the public hidden from science so what that appears to be doing in teenage girls and boys bodies is horrific i've reported more deaths uh in my travels from hpv more paralysis permanent paralysis in girls and um, and fainting spells and falling downstairs. it is a disastrous vaccine. And I'm not the only one saying it. There are large scientific bodies and even scientific journals that are going out of their way now demanding more transparency on the trials that approve those vaccines. So I would say of all of them, that one is probably, may prove to be the Achilles heel of the institution of vaccination uh, and is really, really dangerous. Do you take uh, flu shots? I do not. Do you travel internationally? Yes, but I I mean, I will say I haven't, um, well, I I think the closest I could say, I went to Haiti uh, right after the earthquake with the doctor's television show. We were supposed to get a bunch of vaccines and um, I opted out of it. I I opted out of vaccinating. On the other hand though, I did sort of opt to be covered in heavy duty, uh, insect repellent and I kept myself, you know, covered from head to toe so I took on some chemical introduction to my body, saying, you know, I don't know what the mosquitoes are carrying and things like that. So I can say that uh, no, I don't get those vaccinations for yellow fever or anything like that. So far, when I've traveled, so you had
0: a body size condom, in other words, what you had on? Pretty
1: much. That makes sense. Much.
0: Visually, I got yeah. it. I just went there yeah. visually. Okay, what do yeah. you what do you tell what do you tell the mothers? I just had a very good friend of mine from I've known her for 20 years. She messaged me, and I'm looking at the text, and she says. I'm in California. She's got two kids, young kids, three and a newborn, six months old, and she's frightened of vaccinating her kids because of what's happened recently. Prior to this, it wasn't really a big concern. I put her in contact with another girl who I call her the queen of vaccines. She is fully anti, and she's got two kids because they're worried about taking their kids to school because most kids in California, you know this, you lived in Malibu, you moved to Austin yourself, so you know how California runs. What do you tell parents who have young kids that
1: schools are not allowing them to go to school unless if they take the proper vaccines? What do you tell those parents? Um, Number one, I'm not a doctor, and I don't give medical advice. I only try to lead by example and report on what I can report on. I moved out of California for all of these reasons. I do not trust the school system, and I don't want to live in a state where the government of that state essentially looks at how I'm living my life is illegal. That eating organic food and drinking clear water and raising my children to, to boost their immune system through good health and exercise, if that is essentially something that the government is trying to make illegal every day there in the capital, then I don't like being at odds with my government and I move. I look at this issue uh, through the lens historically. I ask myself, you know, why? I mean, I think we've all asked this question. For some reason, I got to be really careful how I say this, but we all studied Nazi Germany growing up. And I think the question most people ask themselves is why did anybody stay? It didn't happen overnight, it happened pretty quickly. But the atrocities slowly, you know, you started losing more and more rights. You weren't allowed in this part of town. And then it closed in on you until finally you're being loaded onto a train car somewhere you have no control over. So we ask ourselves, why did they stay, right? And I think when I was in California, I started really grappling with that conversation, which, and what you recognize is it's more, it is somewhat of a slow boil. You just slowly lose your rights and you keep thinking you can accept that. And then you've got to ask yourself, at what point does it get dangerous? And so for people that say to me, I'm just going to have to vaccinate because I'm a single parent, let's say, I got to send my child to school. Well, I say this. I wish you the best of luck if you do that, and I believe you're really going to need it. But if you think that you are going to have some solace, if your child ends up having a serious autoimmune disease as a reaction to the vaccine that plagues them the rest of their lives and has them on drugs the rest of their lives trying to just get through the day, or even worse, if they have a neurological disorder that takes over, or worse than that, they happen to die after the vaccine. Though I think parents stepping in that situation think, I didn't have a choice, I think after the fact, you will say to yourself, actually, I did have a choice. There is no 50-foot wall surrounding California. The job that I do, frankly, this job is in many other states that don't have draconian laws, around vaccination. It would have been a pain in the butt. It may have been financially difficult. But if it comes to the health of my child, I decided I need to move somewhere where I know for a fact my child is going to be safe to be raised the way I want to raise them. And no government is going to force me to do something that has the potential of permanently ruining their lives. I don't think that there's anything. You won't let yourself off the hook, even though I think people think they will. Oh, the the government made me do it. It doesn't work for all of the parents that recognize that the vaccine caused their child's autism and they weren't even forced into it. They're angry that they didn't even look into it, right? Can you imagine if you looked into it and you knew it was a problem and you did it anyway because the government wasn't gonna let you go to school? You'll never forgive yourself is all I have to say because I've interviewed hundreds of you. You will not forgive yourself. If you have an instinct that this is not what you want to do with your child, please don't ever override that instinct because the consequences will not just potentially be damaging for your child. They will ruin you for your entire life. Should a, something go
0: wrong? Let me just that's make that a, point. That's a, that's a powerful uh, uh, explanation on how you view it for the parents. I'm sure they're processing it right now, thinking what they should be doing or what they should be doing, because that, that's constantly coming up, and 30% of my business is in California. So I'm having these conversations regularly with our 15,000 agents out of those 30% that's in California right now. Look, a, a couple other questions just out of curiosity. How old is the oldest autistic person in America? How
1: old is the oldest autistic person? You know, yeah. that's a great question um i would say let's see we really it would be anybody that maybe is still alive from uh 1939 1943 was essentially the discovery of autism and 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 let's it's a really good question i've never heard it posed that way so i don't have a singular answer to that there is a famous uh autistic guy that i think is about 65 that I just saw an article about right now. But but here's the point. Like, if they're there, there's like one of them, right? Or two of them. When we look back at the study um, in 1943 by Leo Kanner, who uh, really was the one that discovered autism, here's what flies in the face of the argument being made now. We're told autism's always been here. The reason there's an increase is we're just diagnosing it better. Well, if that's the case and we're at arguably one in 32 children being diagnosed with autism right now, depending on which study you're looking at, one in 20 boys because it affects boys more, then that should be the rate in every old folks home we go to. There should be, you know, one out of 20 men and one out of 30 women in the corner of the room at 80 or 90 years old, repetitive motion disorders, never, you know, still in diapers from when they were kids, uh, you know, unable to, you know, have social contact. They don't exist they are not there. And, and also to make that point clear, Leo Kanner, when he found he had about 13 kids that he had gathered together that seemed to have this similar issue. 13 is what he could find. Uh, psychologists and doctors flew from all over the world to come visit and see those 13 children. If autism was always been here since the dawn of man, at one in 32, then why did anyone need to fly anywhere to see these kids? So your point, and I think the question you're getting to is, if there is one, I'm sure there are, if we look back 1943-ish is when we really see the first people. So there's probably 80, 90-year-old here and there. One out of, say, every 10,000, or maybe one out of every 20,000 was the rate then. Uh, but again, autism also does shorten your life. They tend to, I think the idea is that you tend to live, uh, you know, about 15, 20 years shorter lifespan than if you were a, a, a healthier individual.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, Kai sent me the uh, information off of Wikipedia. Oldest uh, person with autism is a man named Donald Triplett. Uh, Donald Gary Tr- Gray Triplett is an American man known for being the first uh, person diagnosed with autism. He was first diagnosed by Leo Kanner, which is who you, who you mentioned. Right. And was labeled as Case 1, born 1933, uh, Forest, Minnesota, I believe, uh, 87 years old is who he is. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because if somebody could pull this off, it's you. I watched a video about a year ago. It's a very good video, uh, very well done. They went and interviewed Armenians who were born pre-Armenian genocide, and there's only 33 of them. This was done a couple of years ago. and I, The number's lower now, but at that time, it was only 33 of them. And they interviewed them, and they went and asked them, said, hey, so tell us what it was like. And by the way, you have to be really old to do this interview. And they went and asked them, what was it like? What was the experience like? Tell us what stories you are what happened over here, what happened to your parents? And it's so riveting. It's so emotional when you watch it because it educates everybody. You Kind of sit there and say, right. "Well, I kind of got it." So I mean, I'd be curious because I don't see a lot of people walking around in the malls with diapers on. I don't see a lot of people when I go to hospitals, grown men walking around having you know the the autistic movement. So that in itself makes you kind of think about uh, regarding autism. Here's another question for you: How, Do you know anybody that is autistic? that's never ever in their lives taken any vaccines? Are you aware of anybody that's never taken any vaccines that has autism?
1: Um, I have not met a person uh, that's never had vaccines that that has autism, but I have met parents that say they have a child with autism and they've never given them a vaccine. And I believe that that is possible. If If that was the question uh, I absolutely do am not under the uh, belief that vaccines are the only way uh, you get autism. Autism, in, and I've, I've interviewed virtually every scientist specialist uh, on autism in the world, at least those that are open to discussing it, and they mostly all agree that autism is really just children who cannot detox fast enough, that lack what are called uh, the ability to methylate. And there's certain genes that they're looking at that cause this problem. So imagine it's just children that build up and it piles over the top and they have a severe reaction at some point. So you could argue that vaccinations aren't the only uh, toxin that is in a, a child that can cause autism. It just happens to be one of the most direct delivery systems. Uh, but our children are being born in extremely toxic levels like never before. It, you've probably seen the studies When they look at the cord blood after a baby's born, they're finding about 267 different chemicals in the cord blood alone. If the mother, there's sort of a joke in medicine. If you want to chelate or detoxify the metals out of your body, get pregnant. The fetus actually filters and draws the metals, the heavy metals, the dangerous things in the mother's body are drawn by nature into the fetus. And so that baby is being born at a higher and higher toxic level to begin with so there's a chance in my mind that the vaccines we give our children a hundred years ago in a cleaner environment where nobody's breathing from you know deadly smokestacks or all the pollution in the air or fluoridated water and all you know all of the different chemicals we eat uh, the glyphosate on our food. If we were born to a clean environment, maybe the vaccines would be tolerated by children that had no other chemical levels. But we have babies that are being born already aluminum toxic. What happens when you give them another shot 10 you know, or 100 times the amount of aluminum ever approved? It just takes them over the top. That's sort of my thinking on it. I did meet um, um, a parent that had a very compelling story. They had healed their child of autism. They had you know, done all of the diet changes and they believed vaccines were the cause and their child had fully recovered, at least in their mind, was back in school and for like six years was perfectly healthy in school. And then one day they woke up and the child was under their dining table, you know, spinning and repetitive motion. They totally lost him and they didn't know what had happened. And they started calling the school. Did he eat something? Was there, what had happened? And they finally found out that a fluorescent light bulb had fallen in the classroom, and that they just had a janitor come and sweep it up and leave the classroom. And they believed that the mercury in that light bulb, just that little bit didn't affect anyone else in the class, but sent their child back into autism. At the moment, they were telling me that story. It had been seven years, and they were unable to ever recover or get their child back again. He's now permanently um, autistic and severe. So that just shows you it wasn't a vaccine that certainly you know, had that child re-regress into autism. Uh, these chemicals and things that are in our environment are very dangerous for certain children.
0: But the, the, the good part about that story is the fact that he, kid went back to being normal for two weeks. So has there been a deeper study and investigation to see what formula they used to get there?
1: So, and this is what's really interesting right now. There are doctors, uh, mostly they call themselves functional medicine doctors, that are having real success, uh, as I said, recovering children from autism. Uh, a lot of it uses, again, I'm not a doctor, these are just from my interviews. A lot of it begins with changing the diet and removing things like casein, which is found in dairy, and gluten is a huge thing. Uh, they, they, they believe that the, most of them are gluten intolerant. And I've met so many parents that said, my child didn't speak for four years. I took them off of gluten completely, and seven days later, we heard their first word. And that begins a process that then involves other issues like using different forms of chelation, which is trying to draw the heavy, the the aluminum and the mercury and the toxic metals out of the body. And so you'll hear parents, different things work for every one of them. But what is so tragic is right now in California, there's basically a witch hunt going on of these doctors that are trying all sorts of treatments and having real success some of the most successful doctors treating autism now have their licenses under review the health department is trying to find out what techniques they're using Uh, they say they're illegal some of these techniques parents will lose their kids if they find out you're doing it with your child so these people not only have this devastating injury on their child and they have a medical establishment that tells them there's nothing you can do about it. Your child's handicapped for life. They finally find a doctor that has a way forward. And now those doctors are losing their licenses left and right. And these, these parents run the risk of of having their child taken away by child protective services by anybody that is saying they're recovering their child. I mean, this is it is so horrific. We could go on for hours and hours just on that issue alone. Uh,
0: transition to Bill Gates, you know, I watched Bill Gates, him talking about, uh, 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 vaccines and he was getting, you know, the host asked the question saying, are you a little bit upset about the fact that the anti-vaccine folks are kind of pushing people away from using? Yes, I am a little bit upset. Why? Because we forget that vaccines have saved so many millions of kids' lives because of measles and all this other stuff. It almost came across to me as the following and tell me if I'm wrong, say, Pat, I, I, uh, I don't know if I buy that hypothetical here is it almost a message of saying what would you rather have millions of kids dying or one in 32 kids having autism well maybe let's take this because we're saving a lot of people's lives so yes there's a risk with vaccines linked to autism but would you rather have your kids die from measles or would you rather have them go through this how do you process it when you watch bill gates give the argument of the fact that we need
1: more vaccines I think that you're absolutely right. I think that there is a risk-reward benefit uh, mathematical calculation that's being made by individuals. I don't personally believe that people are evil. I think that those top scientists like Tony Fauci or Bill Gates, not a scientist or a doctor, but seems to have a lot of opinion about medicine, um, I think that they believe they're doing what is right. Um, the problem is you have a cognitive dissonance. You have a problem with how they're looking at the math. And let me, let me uh, illustrate this by a conversation I actually did have. I was up in Washington State, and I met one of the heads of the CDC for Washington State. They happened to have a mumps outbreak going on at that moment, and she happened to come to somewhere where I was speaking and good on her for trying to hear what the other side had to say. And I sat down and, was, and, and got to have a conversation. And I asked her this, I said, all right, let's be honest, totally off the record. I know that there's certain things you won't say on camera, but off the record, you and I both know that there's no perfect pharmaceutical product. There's no perfectly safe vaccine for sure. Children will definitely die this year that are being vaccinated children that may have been a future president of the united states may have been a scientist like yourself will not exist after this vaccine program this year uh, can we agree to that she says i agree that is true i said okay how do you sleep at night knowing that innocent children will essentially be murdered by this vaccine program this year and she said that's very heavy language but i get your point del Um, I sleep at night because it is the accepted casualty to achieve herd immunity, to achieve the the, um, immunity for the entire population. And I said, okay, let me ask you one follow-up question then. Will you please, since you are a head scientist for the CDC, will you tell me what projection is being made this year on the number of children that will die from vaccination? And she said... We don't have the data on that. And I said, wait a minute. You're a scientist, which involves a lot of math. You just used the term accepted casualty, and you're telling me you don't actually know what that casualty is. She said, you know, I've never really thought about it, but yes, that's true. We don't collect data on that, so I don't know how many kids will die. And therein lies the problem that I have, Patrick. Um, I'm not sure that we should accept any deaths from a program. Uh, and certainly, I don't believe you should be having laws that force anybody to use a product that knowingly kills innocent children. I don't think anyone would really like to admit I'd be perfectly happy killing a child. In fact, I asked this to a class in, in, at NYU. So I'm going to ask you something. If there was the greatest nonprofit in the world, And it saved more elephants than anyone else, more rhinoceroses, put in toilets and clean running water in Africa and India. I mean, they did it all the best. There's only one thing about this nonprofit. Once a year, they sacrifice one innocent child. Would you work for that nonprofit? Would you donate to that nonprofit? Would you do anything with that nonprofit? Please raise your hand. How many kids do you think raise their hand? None. Yet we are potentially looking at tens of thousands maybe even millions of deaths let me tell you where the numbers we what we do know VAERS is the the reporting system vaccine adverse events reporting system we use in the united states of america so if you're injured by a vaccine and you tell your doctor it's supposed to be reported to vares well the last vares um document we got of all the numbers was from 2018. It had over 60,000 reported injuries uh, from vaccines in the United States alone. Over 400 reported deaths from vaccines in 2018 alone, only in the United States of America. So potentially right there, you can say it's not one, it's at least 400. Um, But here's the problem. Harvard Medical School was hired by the CDC a few years ago to investigate the VAERS system this is our you know our data collection system to see how efficient and effective it is and we paid harvard medical school a million dollars to do this study so they studied the system they used their own harvard pilgrim hmo to use see if they could automate a system that would be maybe more effective and they determined in their study that bears is capturing less than one percent of the total amount of vaccine injuries Less than 1%. That means that 60,000 injuries should be 6 million injuries in one year. 400 deaths turns into 40,000 deaths in one year. But Bill Gates will not fund any further research. And the CDC did not celebrate that study at Harvard. In fact, that study ends with Harvard saying, once we started reporting the numbers, the CDC stopped returning our calls stopped returning our emails, and we were not able to move forward with the plan, which was to automate the VAR system nationwide. Think about this. We are the home of Apple. We are the home of Microsoft. We have computer learning. We have the best data tech collection techniques the world has ever seen, and none of it is being used to look at vaccine, injury, and death. To me, that tells me they know they have a problem and they just don't want to look at it.
0: If it happens to somebody that's very personal, a powerful person that's very personal to them, uh, uh, it's gonna change the game. Someone's granddaughter, Uh, grandson, child, it's gonna be game-changing because when you're a true believer, you you do not wanna mess with a true believer. True believers are not ones to screw with. You can mess with somebody that's just a good salesperson and a good story. You go up against a true believer, good luck to your life going up against them because they're relentless. They will go their entire lives until they prove you wrong and you say, we're sorry. And that hasn't happened yet. And that's just what I'm looking forward to. I just want to see someone in that world. I'm not the expert. I'm a a financial guy. I'm not, I'm just doing this because I have kids an eight, six and a four-year-old. And I'm curious, I want to know more. A bunch of people keep asking me about this. So I'm doing my level of, you know, part-time investigation to see what we can learn about it, but that's where it's at with that. So Uh, final thoughts, vaccine COVID-19. Yeah. With, uh, them telling us the fact that, you know, it's the most important vaccine we got to take if it comes out. Now, obviously at this point of the game, you don't seem very confident about any of the vaccines yourself, but if they come out with this vaccine and they're presenting it to us that we ought to take it, whether it's Fauci or Gates, how
1: confident are you in us needing to take this COVID-19 vaccine? Well, not at all. In fact, I I know you don't. For the most part, 99% of this country in the world do not need to take it. I mean, every scientific report has shown us that for, you know, 99, over 99% of us, this is a common cold. That's just the fact. It's a common cold. It is only deadly for 0.26% of Americans. uh, And we're seeing even a decline in the death rates because I think we're actually learning that we're treating it incorrectly. So what we're talking about is a vaccine that 99.74% of us don't even need. That's the case. Uh, just like a cold, this is going to be the sniffles for most people. And, and 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 people say, you're crazy. No, listen to how many times they say the term asymptomatic carrier, right? That means someone that is so not sick, they don't even know that they're carrying it. That is the greater body of people. And then if you're not that, then you're someone that just has a light cold. There's an acute extreme response for 0.26 percent of our population that have other life-threatening illnesses that are putting them in harm's way and by the way a common cold has always been dangerous from people that are on the late stages of heart disease or copd or diabetes and that's what we're seeing but let's talk about this vaccine number one i'm never against any vaccine that they recommend for people to take go right ahead it's a free country i have a problem with the languaging that this is going to be forced bill gates is saying He wants a forced vaccination program for all 7.5 billion people in the world i believe that this pandemic has been blown out of proportion in order to force the entire adult population into a mandated vaccine program just like our children are at in fact i've been predicting that for the last three years on every stage i speak on this is has been a goal by the who for many years and now we're seeing it i believe this pandemic is being used to create such difficulty in our lives. We can't go to work, we're losing our money, we have to wear a mask, we gotta stay six feet apart, we can't kiss, we can't hug. Also, they make us so miserable, so when they rush this vaccine out, we go, fine, I'll take it if that's what it's gonna take to get our lives back to normal. But know this, it won't just be that vaccine. The moment you allow the government to say you have to take it, you just bought into the vaccine program for every adult, and guess what? You didn't get the 54 vaccines your children are getting. Now you have to catch up on 54 vaccines. Guess what? 270 vaccines are already approved and in the pipeline you've never heard of. And thousands of vaccines are on tr- in trials right now as we speak because the future of the industry is a product that doesn't test for safety, as I told you, has no liability, and can be forced on you by government mandates. It's the greatest product pharma has ever had, and it happens to be your future if you don't stand up for your rights very quickly let me talk about COVID-19 because it's the most dangerous vaccine ever approached first of all if you read every headline it's telling us Patrick there's two words in a sentence that I think make it the most dangerous sentence known to man every time you read they are rushing the science that is what we read in every headline talking about COVID-19 I'm not exaggerating it we are rushing science that is a dangerous combination of words in a sentence now let's talk about this vaccine it is not a brand new vaccine it is not another version of a measles vaccine they have been attempting a coronavirus vaccine since for the last at least 20 years very specifically since we had SARS which was a coronavirus back in the early 2000s multiple drug companies have been attempting to make a coronavirus vaccine here's what's amazing and I discovered in our research every single animal trial by all of those different drug companies and different approaches to a coronavirus vaccine had the same result in every one of the trials they used ferrets it's a popular animal i think it has a similar immune system to human beings they gave them their trial covid or coronavirus vaccine and the animals seemed to be doing just fine they would have said it's safe look the animal's fine vaccine didn't hurt them they even checked their blood and they we're having robust antibody production, meaning it looks like it really works, and they're probably all jumping up and down in their laboratories. But here's what happens. In an animal trial, you're allowed to go one step further than you're ethically allowed to in a human trial. That's called a challenge study, where they actually put the animal in contact with the virus. Can't do this with human beings. But they put the ferrets in contact with coronavirus, and every single one of the trials had the same problem. Instead of the antibodies protecting the animal, from the coronavirus, the antibodies actually helped the virus attack their own immune system, and it overreacted. They had serious upper respiratory conditions, organ failure, what's called a cytokine storm, meaning the immune system sent their body into inflammation and brain all over. Many of the animals died. It was so catastrophic that in these trials, you'll see at the end a caution that says, we should be very careful moving forward with human trials. Well, now we have just skipped all of the animal trials, and we're going into these small human trials that will never have the challenge study part of this. So what I'm saying is we are rushing a vaccine that was deadly in the animal trials. And when you think about the money, right? you think about money, you and I both know, where there's billions of dollars to be made, you will find people willing to uh, skip some steps uh, if it means winning the race. And I call this the amazing race. Bill Gates and most of the people in the world are saying this vaccine will be given to all 7.5 billion people. If this vaccine is a cheap vaccine at $100, that means this product will make $750 billion to the winner of this vaccine race right now. There are 100 companies in this race. I assure you, if they have a couple of missteps or a few problems and they think, well, we can try and overcome them once the product is out, No one wants to give up that cash prize. And so I think we are watching potentially some of the worst science we may ever see. And now imagine if Bill Gates gets his wish. If the WHO manages to force vaccinate the planet, we all have to get this in order to get onto an airplane, or to be allowed back into our job, or to have the tracking app that's on our phone say, he's allowed to go to the gym, I have to have had that vaccine. If that happens, Patrick, and they didn't overcome this problem, which they're describing. It's called antibody immune enhancement. You've had Tony Fauci allude to this. You've heard him say, there's a potential this vaccine could make people more sick. Or Dr. Peter Hotez, who is actually a scientist that's attempted to make a coronavirus vaccine. He met with the Congress and said, we have this problem of antibody immune enhancement. So imagine everybody gets this vaccine. Let's imagine it's all by good scientists that think they've overcome the problem. But they don't know why it happens. They'll admit that to you. We don't know why this is happening. And they're looking at one strain of the virus. There's already 30 mutations, Patrick. What happens if we all get this vaccine? And maybe it bet was fine with the virus that we came in contact with. But two years down the road, there's a mutation to the coronavirus. Just like there's been 30, maybe there's 70. Maybe the 71st mutation triggers this problem where it sends our immune system. And instead of protecting us, it attacks us. And now the death rate of COVID is not 2.26%. What if it's 5%? What if it's 10%? What if it's 80% of people start dying because the vaccine is causing them to get more sick instead of protecting them? Here's what I know. We have never seen a virus or a bacteria on this planet since the dawn of man that ever even came close to eradicating the species. But I believe rushing science and forcing everybody to use it. If we make a catastrophic error, there is no way to get that vaccine out of ourselves. And a mistake like that, by people that I do think have a real God complex, that could be catastrophic for our species. I would just always caution, I better always have the right to choose what's injected into me. And I'll read the science myself and think, if I think that 0.26% death rate is really worthy of taking on the risk, of a vaccine that killed the animals in the animal trials?
0: That's the biggest part choice. Let me choose. That's, it.
1: that's, that's why that's I came it. to
0: America. I left Iran to come here. So I want one thing make your argument. Let me choose what I want to do for myself and my family up until they're 18. They're adults, they can do what they want to do with their family, but I want to be able to choose. Speed right. round. I'll give you a name. Tell me, tell me one word that comes to mind. I'll give you a name. Just give me one word that comes to mind. Dr. Paul
1: Offit, the vaccine maker. Okay, Bill Gates. Uh, world Dominator. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown. Hmm.
0: Liberal. William W. Thompson. Hero. Colleen Boyle. Anti hero. Uh, Walter Orenstein. Chill. Dr. Judy Gerber, uh, Gerberding.
1: Hmm. Um, criminal.
0: Brian Hooker.
1: I would say hero.
0: Dr. Fauci.
1: Wire. Frank DeStefano. Patsy. Andrew Wakefield. Hero, definitely a hero. Robert F. Kennedy. I want to think of the right word. I mean, I keep using hero, but Robert F. Kennedy is one of the greatest environmental lawyers this world has ever seen. He is putting the Kennedy name that he was born into at risk He's being challenged by everybody and nothing's making him back down. I just want to say pioneer, I guess. Pioneer. Last but not least, Robert De Niro. Concerned citizen.
0: I like that one. Dale, I'll give you final thoughts before we wrap up. What's
1: the last thing you want to tell the viewer uh, after watching this entire interview? Uh, I want to say that we have got to learn how to critically think again. I believe our education systems have have really just washed that out of our minds. We trust too much. We trust authority. We certainly trust lab coats way too much. Uh, We saw problems in the Catholic church that no one wanted to look at. We have problems in the church of medicine that you have to start looking at. You've got to do your own research. Don't trust me. Don't trust anybody. Start doing your own research when it comes to vaccines. Uh, you know, BAX is a great place to start, but also just ask to read the insert wrapped around the vaccine. Not the sheet given to you by your doctor, say, I want to see what the manufacturer has to state in the product box. Start there with your investigation. And let me just say this, that, you know, there are people that think that Donald Trump may be the most dangerous human on the planet. There are people that thought Hillary Clinton would be the most dangerous human being on the planet. But this is why you never give the government the right to inject you with products you don't control, that you don't know what's in them, that you cannot refuse. Because one day, we may elect someone that doesn't like your race, that doesn't like your sexual preference, that doesn't like your religion. And in the United States of America, that president is deciding what will be injected into you. This is not an exaggeration. The president of the United States puts into place the head of Health and Human Services, the head of the FDA, the head of the CDC, the head of the National Institute of Health. So if they wanted to do harm to you, maybe sterilize you, maybe they don't like your socioeconomic structure, then they could do it. We must learn from history that our freedom is attached to our liberty. And as Ben Franklin, I believe, said, don't ever give up a little bit of liberty to achieve a little bit of safety, you will have neither liberty nor safety. This issue of injecting you outside of your will, I believe is the biggest attack on freedom there has ever been. There will be no dream of the United States of America if they use this pandemic to scare you into giving up control of your own body. Please, get out and vote appropriately. Ask your politicians where they stand on mandated vaccine programs. And I hope you'll join me in saying you have the right to choose what goes into your body and the bodies of your children. And check out my weekly talk show, TheHighWire.com, where I discuss all these issues every single week. Bell Big Tree, thank you for being a guest on Valuetainment. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And those were amazing questions. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody, for
0: listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick PatrickBitDavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye bye